Hey everybody, this is Petey from the Spinner Rack, and today I decided to do Superman, The Man of Steel by John Byrne and Dick Giordano, right? So we have one of the trades, and I think the first trade, and um, I would have loved to do this through the trade, but it's hard to open up the pages, and this one's interesting. This one is the actual comic book chopped up into a trade and packaged with a new cover, right? And it still has the newsprint and the actual covers and then backplate of all the covers and you know, some more ads, right? And just to do my normal rant on, you know, trying to reproduce the full color process in these reprints. Whereas you've got Dark Knight has those glorious thing. Now, you have to imagine, Man of Steel was reprinted a whole lot of times. But this, the whole four color process, anything as far as the inks, none of that stuff was good in consideration, right? So it's just like obliterate the four color process and put out a new volume, which I don't think helped out what was what was here, right? That gives you a quick overview of my complaints about you know some of the reprints because this I think there's at least four printings of Man of Steel and then this one, which was a different format. So you had all of this, you know, the sales just like the Dark Knight, but as far as the you know with the, the prestige format. The amount of printing made that immediately a hot seller, right? And DC wasn't really that. <laughs> this one they printed well more because it was, you know, I think Man of Steel had the variant cover, and um, this one I think sold. This one sold out to a million in you know um, comics at the time. Hadn't been done in years, right? Since the forties. So. With that said, um, there is a interview by Byrne that was in um, Sci-Fi Wire where he talks about his unreasonable demands, some of his ideas on that. So I guess I, my idea is to give you guys a little more about the reboot, right? So Crisis was happening, Crisis on Infinite Earths happened, and the plan was to reboot everything. But once Crisis was done, there were no plans in place, right? So, but the plan was to allow some people to pitch ideas for Superman. And one of the first was Frank Miller. Frank Miller with um, Steve Gerber. They had a plan on basically the DC Charm for it. There was going to be a Superman series. There was just titled Man of Steel. Then they also had um, Dark Knight. And then they had Amazon, right? And the, the Man of Steel's plans, which would try to get Superman back to his man of the people type roots, you know, and um, they didn't go with that, but obviously Frank Miller continued on with his Dark Knight. They also got a pitch from Carrie Bates. And Carrie Bates, his initial plan was 
to have Superman die a heroic death sale, saving millions of lives. And he'd be out of commission for, I don't know, for how long, but he'd be resurrected. And then this new Superman would be a little more mortal than he was, but it would be keeping the present continuity. They would kind of reformat Superman from that period on. So, and that one wasn't take, picked up. Um, we have in this one, do they talk about it? When we have the round table, and Keith Giffen, and Marv Wolfman. We have Marv Wolfman, who um, basically wanted to get back to the... Um, Fleischer cartoons and the Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster Superman. And, you know, he wanted to do a reboot, as did um, Frank Miller and Steve Gerber, right? But as nothing came of it, he mentioned to Byrne that, hey, they're looking to reboot um, Superman. Byrne has said many times, Dick Giordano said, put your money where your mouth is. But then um, in this interview, oh, Amazing Heroes, he just invited Dick Giordano over. And then Dick Giordano said, tell me about Superman. Um, Jeanette Kahn went, this um, only vetoed or was had questions about one of them, which um, burned with her idea for Krypton, Krypton to actually... Radiation would be kryptonite that was killing the Kryptonians. Um, and then they started putting out the releases, this being one, a press release for the series. Writer-artist John Byrne is the man responsible for forging this new improved Man of Steel. The first comic books hit the newsstands on the 4th of July, and John is here to give us a sneak preview. Will he still be able to leap tall buildings in the single bound? Oh, he'll be able to leap considerably higher than tall buildings, However, yes. However, there are going to be limitations. Yes, we are cranking him down quite a bit. So with, within the talks, they were trying to figure out who was going to be work on the other titles, and Jerry Ordway was always in play to do a Superman title, and the talks were that he was going to do it with Alan Moore. I don't know if Alan Moore pitched a Superman um, thing for DC, but he was definitely, um, they definitely talked to him about it. It was said, that's what Jerry Ordway said, right? So, with all that said, um, as soon as the note that Byrne would be doing Superman and they were going to change Superman and history would be gone and stuff like that. I believe this Who's Who came, well, I guess the Who's Who came out around the same time, right? And this is the cover. I don't think Byrne likes this cover, but I do. But um, we have the Earth 2 Superman and we have the, the new classic Superman, right? That's specific for me saying that for um, who's who. Because they have a definite way of talking about um, crisis and not including crisis in some of these people's um, things. So we have a Wayne Boring and Jerry Ordway Superman drawing here. And then, um, oops, not Swamp Thing. We got Kurt Swan and Byrne Superman, right? 
So I think in the rumor mill, there's talk of, you know, Byrne. The thing is that once it came out that Byrne was doing it, it seemed like he just came in, kicked the door open, took Superman from DC, and they couldn't do anything about it. He was just going to change what he was going to change. But at the same time, Byrne is a big fan of Kurt Swan. So you can see there's a picture of the two of them of Kurt Swan handing the pencil over to Byrne, right? You know, as a, like handing the baton over. Byrne also brought him back to do the Earth Stealers. And I think um, Superman, uh, Action Comics 600, and ultimately he would start doing, I think, the action inserts. So, and Byrne, once he realized that he wasn't going to get, be able to do Superman the same way George Perez was doing Wonder Woman, where it just start from scratch, he was like, oh, if that was the case, I would have kept Superboy. And I would have done it with Kurt Swan doing the pencils, right? So I think that covers all of the pre-stuff. So we'll have another last two minutes for for um, <laughs> Man of Steel. But um, okay. So with all of that said, I just want to point out some things when we get to this, right? So this is what the video is going to mainly be about, right? So with that said, this is one of my favorite comics. I was so glad because of his 50th um, birthday that they reprinted this. A nice, I think this, oh, so let's keep this here, right? One of the other things I love that Superman's origin was in one page, right? And then Batman, he would have his origin much, a little bit later. But um, his would be one page also, right? So one of the things that I think no one says with this um, reboot was that Byrne was be kind of drawing from the past. Even though he'd be looking to the future, comic books always at times and can be repeating stuff from old material and stuff like that. Re-energizing -re stuff, similar to when uh, Frank Miller was on Daredevil with um, Roger McKenzie. So Byrne wouldn't just steamroll everything, even though it seemed like that. He would draw on some inspiration from the past and adding it to that. So when you go through these Man of Steel things, it wouldn't be just drawing from the Silver Age or the Golden Age or the movie. It would be trying to get pieces of all of that stuff. And you see that as you go through the run, there would be bits of stuff that would show up in this series from from all parts of the of his his mythos, right? And one of the things would be here on this cover, right? So here, I think I found this out on the burn board. So it's always good to check that out. This spaceship, the redesign, is kind of a modification of the Superman cover number one. The egg sort of shape right here and that sort of thing. So he kind of stylized it so he could draw that in. So that was one of the cool things I found out many years later, right? And um, we open this up. Now, we get here. This is what had to happen. Krypton had to be updated and redesigned, even though they brought it back to the headbands. 
the basketball headband um, Kryptonians, they had to do it because, well, they, I mean, it's a reboot, so there has to be some change. And um, at the same time, um, you know, it just needed to be updated and not be a little bit less Flash Gordon and something that could be like um, sort of timeless in the future. Sort of like the way they do Star Trek. So you can look at it and say, okay, yeah, yeah, this still works. This still looks futuristic to me. And this is what, um, it might be, what was that? I guess it'd be 30 years ago, right? Like a little bit more than that, 35 years ago? Oh, crazy. But anyway, so here we open up now. He, since he was redesigning this, I think this comes from, this is similar to um, a Sid Mead um, illustration, but it's put instead of where, that is, it's on a desert, right? And I think when people saw this, for some reason, instead of looking like a desert, they thought it was, oh, Superman movie. Look at that. That looks exactly like it, even though Superman movie was a nice planet, right? So, and then they had globes and that stuff, right? So, actually, we see this, and it's actually, this is the incubation, um, you know, egg for our young Kal-El, right? And we see Jor-El. We see a very cold sort of Krypton. And jor a little out of the box, right? But it's sad. And these outfits, even though they're not exactly the same, they draw inspiration from Morton Hack. That's the, the costume designer for the space guys and Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Right? The guys that were struggling with radiation. And that's kind of what this was um you know the inspir you know inspired by at least this sort of thing down here but he's turned it more into a robe type of deal so yeah it still stayed kind of timeless that you could look at this and say oh it doesn't look 50s or 40s or stuff like that right and of course here Dora's a little un unorthodox because they don't really you know He's not supposed to take the baby out of the area with all the babies, the gestation uh, chambers. And then, um, but Jordan says it's right. But she's like, hey, no one's used any of these roles. And we're talking about this cold world where Krypton isn't about to survive and everyone's kind of reserved in that, that it's just gonna happen, right? Solaris getting up to speed, saying that this thing's happening, people dying, but he's gonna ship. He's gonna give his son a life and experience life not like Kryptonians, right? That's gonna be his gift. And she's like, nope, our son is not a child. It's gonna journey through, through hyperspace, right? He has a plan, gonna send him to Earth, and they have the you know, man was bare skin to the to the elements. And then Laura sees this and she's totally not with it, right? But he said, No. But him, the yellow you know, the yellow sun will, you know, give him powers. She immediately thinks he'll be king there, perhaps. And they prepare the spaceship, but at the same time the planet is going.
And that's when he ships his son off. And Jarrell starts talking that talk, letting her know that he was still, he's always found her. He was always into her. And we have this moment, even though it's cold for them, he tells her he loves her. And we get a little storytelling bit. Something hits the ship and then it blasts out of there. And this was the biggest shock. As a kid, um, I was like, whoa. <laughs> This is a big change. Like, I like the redesign, but it's like, how? And that's one of the things of the reboot was like, since we kind of knew what Superman was, and we saw stuff that was different, it was kind of like, what's going on here? How could he do this? Right? And also, I think there is um, Harlan Ellison, who was also saying, he had an article where he just basically said Superman Burn just came and took over and did all this stuff asked for a new number one and told, you know, told DC to cancel the his long-running title so he could have his own number one with Superman. But that's neither here nor there. All right? So Superman, so Clark Kent is a football player. So now you know it's not the Superman movie, which is what he had to do. He couldn't just say he's following the Superman movie. There will be bits in this um, series that will be like the Superman movie. But this is not one of them, right? But this is also similar to the Bronze Age. I think it's the Bronze Age or the end of the Silver Age where um, Clark Kent lost his, his own powers and he immediately went to a regular life, people into him, and he would be a person who is attractive, right? So this is kind of playing to that. If he's not, you know, if he's just thinking of himself as a regular person, he would be, you know, with his height and build, he'd be a pretty successful guy as far as um, meeting people and stuff like that, right? And that's how they portrayed him for one issue. And then, of course, he goes back to being meek and Lo Lois is kind of bothered with it. But here, we have the setup. We have Lana, right? And then we have his father, right? And um, tells him to go. And then he says he's disappointed, right? He's going to show him something, right? So, you see that his future could lie. And go, and I think this is probably why people decided that Superman's a total idiot in his present day because he played football. But, um, you know, that's neither true. Right? So, there's a surprise. He once has to show his father. father's showing him something, and it's actually... Um, the spaceship he traveled in. Now, if he was in like this sort of, you know, gestation thing, this incubator, this thing that was, um, you know, carrying him as a baby, you know, until he was pretty much born here, right? Because they never took him out of it. He would be an anchor baby, Right. This is one of the cool things. I think this is why Byrne wanted to bring Laura to to um, Earth so she could be like the like an immigrant coming across. So this is interesting, whereas Swin is um oh we always talk about him being an alien, but he's actually, you know, he has the right to citizenship. This is one of the cool bits that's never talked about. 
right? Because everyone jokes about him being an illegal alien when he's not, <laughs> at least not in the in the reboot, right? So then he tells them what actually happened, right? They saw this come down. They went to check it out. And they see it's a baby. Right? And they get Then Martha gets the baby at the spaceship. And he doesn't know what it could be. And she says, no. I've been reading too many magazines. Take the baby home, and they all. And then there's a, a blizzard, and then Jay surprised him, saying they have a baby. Right? Now, this is very different than the origin here, when he already had clearly powers, <laughs> which everyone's saying, "Hey, if he did this, everyone would know." No, look, they already look at the stuff he's doing here in the orphanage. Right? We don't even know how he got to the Kents here. Right? So. Let's keep going, right? So, as a baby, he was pretty normal, meeting Lara here, Lana here, and then um, too many L's in the Superman series. <laughs> and walking, he gets trampled, and he's actually, um, um, like, this is a great shot. You know, kids are tough for most comic artists. There's some that um, John Bogdell... Dando, he's a great one. June Brigham, um, Brett Belvins, um, who else? I guess um, Bob McLeod. But some of the harder, harder artists, it's kind of hard for them to do kids. But there's shots that are really cool, like this. Those ones are cool. This one's, you know, but who knows? And then there's the extra lifting stuff. He has signs of his powers. And then she's he knows all of this. Right? So you're an American citizen, but he got responsibilities. And he goes up to the spaceship. We get the first signs of kryptonite. Right? So this is one of the things to say that is not an actual marvelization of Superman is not taking away the kryptonite and dealing with his um, his weaknesses, his his um, feet of clay, right? And you could say maybe the football thing is a feet of clay, but he's just being normal, right? And he gets weak, and then he goes away. Now, this is a hint to something that will lead later in the in what's the name in the regular series, right? Then we have um, this here, and this is one of the things that Byrne wanted to really play with, which he doesn't talk about a lot, but he talks about in general, that um, one of the things that he wanted to be known for is doing moments of quiet drama. So we have this dramatic scene here, but then we have, they didn't tell him the whole truth, but they still been his parents, and it didn't turn like a way it is in the movies. Where he's like, how could you? And runs out. But he has to think about some things. Right? And he has to see someone. So we don't know who that someone is yet. Right? So now we get to exposure. Right? And Martha's been building this scrapbook. 
of old stuff. Even the Titanic has been raised, which I don't think you should have done. No. <laughs> and also, even though this was supposed to be um, Dick Giordano, I think it's Frank Lawton, he um, said he told Byrne that he inked most of this. He said that um, Dick Giordano did maybe some of the Batman pages, right? But then, see, now this is actually supposed to be the Challenger, but since, of course, there's a Challenger disaster, they changed it into the space plane, right? Because uh, obviously with Byrne, there's been too many things that he's drawn and destroyed as a comic book guy, having an unlimited budget, then winds up something happening to those buildings. So I think something happened to Tokyo when they, you know, had Moses Magnum doing something to Tokyo, right? He would slip in a little bit of Frank Miller lighting here, right? And my brother used to make fun of this. They all wanted a piece of me, right? Paint a plane hidden to hidden to the space plane. Superman had no time to not be obvious, and this is an important thing as a hero to just make the make the choice. Screw your identity. And this is a great opening shot to see um to see Lois kind of fell for her in two seconds when I met her here. Right? So, ultimately, Superman is helping him out. Helps him land the plane. He runs and he meets Lois. And they have a moment. And there's some sort of connection between the two of them. But she's a take-charge person. And then they get attacked by everybody. And Superman runs off. And his father has an idea, right? And then this was a shock, right? The S is not a Kryptonian symbol. It's an S. <laughs> and this is what I argue with my cousin a whole lot about. He's like, no, it hasn't. I think that was a, um, a Marlon Brando thing, that he wanted the S on his character that they would have these symbols and he would have the S and that was what Superman would take. And then of course it would also mean Superman, right? So then this somehow became the symbol L and this is what people really lost the saying that no, this has to be the symbol of L, right? And then of course they changed it to hope, right? So and this is a great part having his, his parents um, make this. Now, one of the things that the Fans and people, they would thought, okay, Superman is just going to come home and they're going to help him through his thing. And this would be about the only time they actually, you know, talk something out and kind of helped him. And one of the tricks that Byrne would do in his thing was he would give you the change, like showing you that he would slick his hair back and put on glasses but this would be the last time he would slick his hair back. Like he would just be, 
he just put the glasses on and he'd have, it wouldn't look like this hair here. It wouldn't, so it was interesting to see how, and that's one of the things that you could see in, um, not the, maybe some points in the early comic, but definitely in the George Reeves Superman, there's points where um, Clark Kent takes off his glasses and nobody recognizes him as Superman, which is how you're supposed to play it. You're not supposed to sit around there going too far with the, he's, um, you know, looking like, was it, was it Carl Bent in, the, in Mad Magazine to make himself look different? Because that's a, a Mad Magazine trope, right? And this is great having a mother who's um, that supportive of him and getting the boots on, right? And this is a shocker. The Kents made it out the... <laughs> the Kents made it out of the story. I was like, wow. And then we have someone here, which I think they said is, Laura, is um, Lana. Sorry, there's Lana is the book and Laura. So... See how long this was? Oh, so since I got here, right? And then they tell you on what's going to come next. All the different covers. Obviously, I was like, can't wait for the Batman. And of course, we got a punch here. But since this was kind of, um, what would you say? Not as action-packed as some of what Byrne was doing over at Marvel. One of the things that the new Teen Titans was playing with was the day in the life, right? So they were, where Marvel would have this, but they would sometimes try to work in an action scene. So my last bit, and seeing how um, sedate this was, even though the art is nice and it's a fun thing, one of the things that being able to play at DC was that the Teen Titans could do a detective story without a fight in it, that sort of thing. They could just have, um, you know, heavy drama is um, Donna Troy meeting her family. That's what the Titans were really playing with, where George Perez could do a wedding where there's no action in it at all. So one of the things that is cool is that you got to do a different approach to this and not marvelize it. Well, not have all of the Marvel elements in there. He was able to do what the DC of 84 was trying to do. A saying that, you know, you know, that they're doing, they were the next stage. So he was able to play with this, um, with, with Superman and DC and not go overboard with the action. Just do a nice... Simple setup story, which we have with a little bit of drama, but he was really playing with the quiet drama moments here. So, yeah, this is the first issue. I think I got all of the bits out for um, that. We, I just already showed you some of the things that were to come, which we know, well, but that will be the other covers. But it would lead to three Superman titles and... Um, yeah, I mean, um, a new interest into the into the books, which regretfully sad to say, looking at the sales, the sales were pretty much they were really down. 
even for three titles, which was Superman Action and um, DC Comics Presents. So even if you total all that up, in comparison to Marvel, Marvel is really... So, I mean, just at some point, book titles need new blood. The idea would be, okay, just get a cool artist. But the hard part is you had Alan Moore doing the last issue, and fans still were kind of iffy on um, Alan Moore doing the last issue, but fans being iffy on um, on Kurt Swan after that. They're like retailer said I, I bought less of the Earth Stealers because Kurt Swan was drawing it. And a lot of people say, well, why did, why did Byrne do in the prestige format with the Earth Stealers and Kurt Swan? And it's just like, what? <laughs> like, this guy just did the, the uh, Superman. Last Superman was for the, you know, for, what was it? Um, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. So there we go. We got the first issue done in about a half hour, right? The other issues should go a lot quicker, but um, I'll decide if we should do more um, more issues. Oh yeah, last bit. I think um, there was something we were talking about. No one used this this um, at DC. They struck this layout out of their um, out of their books, right? They no one else else used this. But know who else used this? New Mutants in '98. Where they had Deadpool, I think Gideon, and so I think Domino, where they had a border, but then they had the faces of the new mutants there. Right? So I guess that's the last bit. I think all I got all my initial bits for Man of Steel, and the rest of the things will just be rolling. We'll just be rolling. Alright, spin rack out.